Welcome to the Christ Connection Podcast. We are here to help and encourage you to enjoy your adventure with Jesus. I'm your host, Kevin Senapati-Ratna. Let the journey begin. Welcome to the Christ Connection Podcast. My name is Kevin Senapati Ratna, and I'm glad you could join us today for a deep dive episode. And again, the Christ Connection Podcast is all about helping you grow in your relationship with Jesus and go on an adventure with Him. And this one will help you with this. This will help you go on an adventure with Jesus for your entire life because we're going to do a deep dive into the book of Proverbs and the wisdom that is there uh, it will last us a lifetime. And so I have an expert here on the subject that I'll get to her bio in a second, but uh, just listen to it and allow yourself maybe take a challenge to you know read through the book of the Proverbs in the next month. Uh, if it's 31 days in the month, that works out actually quite well because there's 31 <laughs> chapters in Proverbs. Uh, but uh, listen to it, and uh, I think you're going to have some uh, good insights that will help you as you navigate through the book, uh, maybe for the hundredth time, maybe for the first time. Uh, one little note, there is a little bit of audio issues, and I had... Uh, my daughter listened and she's like, no, no, it's good stuff there. You got to give it to him. So <laughs> uh, we're going to do that. Uh, hopefully that's not a problem. Uh, you can enjoy this episode. And without further ado, my conversation with Dr. Megan Musey. My guest today is Dr. Megan Musey. Uh, she is the Director of Competency-Based Theological Education at AGTS and an Assistant Professor of Old Testament. She completed her doctoral studies in Christian theology with an emphasis on Old Testament uh, at McCaster Divinity College and was awarded the Principal Medal upon graduation. She earned her master's degree in Religious Studies at Missouri State University and graduated summa cum laude with a bachelor's degree from Evangel University. Her most recent research includes the Psalms, uh, Hebrew lyric poetry, and biblical ethics. She is an active member of a number of academic guilds presenting and participating at their annual meetings. She also serves as the girls ministry director at the Potomac Ministry Network and enjoys serving at her local church in Springfield. Megan, welcome to the show having me it is uh fun day i've been looking forward to this conversation so i'm glad we we, we get to have it <laughs> all right now diving into this i just thought this was interesting your bio says that you are a girls ministry director of the potomac ministry network and you're also this professor all right wait how is that different and how those work together <laughs> yeah well it's really just discipleship in two different contexts um so those of those that aren't familiar girls ministries is like girl scouts for the assemblies of god um and it's a program i went up through um kindergarten through high school and so it just had a big part of who i am today and so i like giving back but i am the district director for the potomac ministry network and you know i disciple college kids and graduate students in my day job and then um, i do this role remotely from springfield missouri and I'm over a group of about 300 churches on the East Coast. And that role includes a little more like event planning and maybe administration. So I lead a team of women who have a passion for reaching this generation of girls and teens 
um, for the Lord. So I feel like I kind of, you know, I go from preschool, little um, and girls ministries, all the way through the college age and graduate students. So just the whole range of discipleship and ministry. Okay. Next, th- next thing is seniors ministry, or just add that to your resume. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Expand my repertoire. Uh, my wife did taught girls uh, ministry for uh, many years and honor stars. And I, I know all the lingo. So, <laughs> you know, you're like an insider. Well, not definitely not an insider, but I, I heard the lingo. <laughs> all right. Now, you're a Bible college professor, discipleship with girls. Uh, uh, that means there must be a love of God's word coming from somewhere. Uh, so uh, where, where did that come for, from for you? What's your story with that? Well, I'm really grateful for a godly heritage. I um, grew up in a family that loved scripture and also loves to talk. So we talk about a lot of things. And, um, you know, what we would go to church whenever the doors were open. And then in the car ride, talk about what did you learn? What's going on in kids' church? Or what was the sermon today? And, um, you know, sometimes it was critiques, but also how does this work? And just, you know, throughout the week, talking about the things of the Lord. And then I also went to a Christian school, K through 12. And so that gave me a really good foundation in Bible and theology. I remember I, I had to memorize the list of the kings of Israel and Judah, like in fourth grade. Wow. Um, we would sing songs about scripture. So like at school and at church and at home, I was just continually, you know, being given the message that scripture is important and having a relationship with the Lord is life. And so it was just very natural that scripture is a thing that you, read and engaged and wanted to learn more about and talk about. And I knew from a really young age that I wanted to be a theology professor. I felt that call. I started articulating that call um, as a freshman in high school. So I'm also, you know, just a Bible nerd, theology nerd. And I was born into a context that really helped that flourish. So I'm really grateful for that. That's awesome. I'm working on memorizing the the order of the Kings, but you know, I, I'm not in fourth I grade. I still recite them, but at one point I could. Well, I, I'm a little bit of, and we could probably go way down a tangent on this, but I'm a memorization geek. So, I, you know, trying to figure out all the different methods that people have on how to memorize stuff. And so that's part of my, but anyways, <laughs> uh, we, we won't go there today because today we want to talk about Proverbs, right? Uh, anyway, I've been looking forward to your expertise on this. Uh, and for someone who is, you know, if we, as we start diving into the subject of Proverbs, uh, someone who's uh, kind of beginning to look at this, what are some one or two big ideas that we need before we start diving into Proverbs? Yeah, so I think the first big idea is just what is wisdom literature, and that connects to what is a proverb. Um, so wisdom literature, there's a, a section of books in the Old Testament we consider wisdom literature, like Ecclesiastes, Job, Proverbs. Um, and it's a genre of literature that was not unique to Israel. It's actually a genre that is throughout the ancient Near East, so the ancient Middle East, and it, it grapples with what is the meaning of life, and then how do you live a good life? And so when we turn to wisdom literature in the Bible, there are some distinctives but it's helpful to kind of set a context. So most wisdom literature, again, answers the questions, what's the meaning of life and how do you live a good life? 
but it also um it, it deals with a lot of like nitty gritty things of life that maybe other books of the Bible don't deal with, or it doesn't seem as spiritual all the time because it can be very practical. And so it's talking about, you know, don't be lazy. It's not talking about how to <laughs> offer sacrifice or it's not dwelling on the grace of God. It's like, don't scam people in the marketplace. Um, so in a lot of ways, wisdom literature is how to live out like the Torah, God's laws and instructions, kind of the big ideas on a daily life basis. So when you turn to the book of Proverbs, then you have to ask yourself, well, what's the purpose of the book? And a lot of times people try to read um, the book of Proverbs like it's made of a bunch of promises. And when we read it that way, we can get into a lot of trouble. So the book of Proverbs is actually has like two major chunks and so, or two different types. And so you have discourse, which is just like teaching or instruction. And that would be in Proverbs one through nine and then the final chapters, um, 30 and 31. And so these are really given as instructions like from a father to a son or from a king to an heir. And that's, that's really how a lot of wisdom literature is written in the ancient Near East. Or we have the speeches of the, uh, wise woman or, or woman wisdom in chapters eight and nine, um, or different sayings. So those aren't the short little pithy sayings that we get later. Those are, it's more conversational, it's instruction. And then later in chapters, um, like 20 to 29, um, and, and there's, there's more than that too, but in these other chapters, we have the short pithy sayings that are like, and here's how you should live. Um, and Jeffrey Arthur's call them short sentences long remembered. And so those are the ones that people often kind of pull and try to use them like promises. Um, so especially when it talks about, um, you know, how we should raise children and things like that, that if you do this, then this will happen. But they're not guarantees, they're not warranties, they're not promises, just like I usually give my college students different examples. And so just from contemporary culture, um, like an apple a day keeps the doctor away. Well, yeah, the, the general principle is if you eat healthier, you'll probably be healthier. But eating an apple a day doesn't actually keep you from, you know, developing some other health issues all the time. <laughs> um, that's not a warranty, like, or guarantee. If I eat an what? apple, like, I never have to see a doctor again. What? <laughs> I know. <laughs> that's, what, that's what I was thinking on. So, um, so when you read Proverbs in terms of like, okay, this is general life guidance. Um, you know, even little things we say to kids like stranger danger, it's not quite a proverb, but sometimes you have to trust a stranger, like a police officer is typically, or like, you know, an EMT, are there typically, those are strangers that you can ask for help, right? And so it's, that is a, a piece of advice we give to kids, instruction that's generally applicable, like the stranger in the back of a van, stranger <laughs> danger, right? The stranger in the back of an ambulance, like let them help you. So, so thinking of Proverbs as general life guidance, and then you are supposed to grow in wisdom so that you know when to apply it. Um, so they're not general, they're not principles, guarantees, but it's um, tips for living. And then you're supposed to grow in your wisdom so you know how to apply it and apply it well. I like that. Uh, although now I have to go back and not eat an apple a day because that's been my tradition for years. Well, <laughs> yeah, well, maybe add a few more things in. 
Uh, but uh, so now the fear of the Lord seems to be one of the important topics uh, in the book of Proverbs to understand and understanding. So where does the fear of the Lord and what, what is it foundational for the book? Yeah, and the fear of the Lord is actually the distinction between Israelite wisdom literature and the wisdom literature of the surrounding peoples. Because a lot of wisdom literature is just basic, like it doesn't seem super spiritual and things like that. So you're like, wait a minute, how did this make it in the Bible? Um, but the foundation, so the beginning of wisdom is the fear of the Lord. And the words that are used there in Hebrew aren't always easy to bring over into English. They don't always have the exact same meaning in English. Um, so sometimes people like to use the word reverence or awe. Um, you should be a little afraid. I like to compare it to like a teacher you really like, but you still don't want to get in trouble with them, right? Like when they give you the teacher look, that's like the fear <laughs> of the <laughs> So um, uh, do you do you have that look? I gotta stop you. Is, is that yeah. one of your skills? Oh, I do. Yeah. <laughs> I, I can do the teacher look. I come from a, a family of educators. I have the teacher look. Yeah. And it, it, even college students will respond to it. So yeah, and so that's kind of an example of the fear we're kind of supposed to have of the Lord, not a, oh, I can't approach him, have a relationship with him, like really mean, horrible teachers, right? But the one you're like, I want you to like me and I'm going to follow the rules and we have like a healthy relationship and camaraderie, but I don't want the teacher look, like I'm going to fall in line. And so that fear of the Lord really is recognizing who we are as humans, um, that we're not God. And so it's, it's understanding our place and the Lord's place in the grand scheme of things, which is not an element in wisdom literature of the surrounding peoples. And so ancient Israelites see this as the foundation. And it's not that like heathens can't be wise. They can be wise to a degree. Like we actually, a lot of the Proverbs that we have in our Bible, Egyptians had too, because it's basic living. And we do believe that there's general revelation and God created everybody and we all bear the image of God. Um, and I think we all can think of some kind of foolish Christians and maybe some wise heathens in our lives. Um, so, but you can never be truly wise if you don't understand your relationship to God, that you are not God and that his ways are higher. And, and that's really where all wisdom comes from. And when you get that, more things kind of click into place. So it's kind of, if, if you don't have a perspective of eternity, uh, you could live how wise as you want, but you're just kind of missing the boat kind of a thing. Right. Yeah. That'll like your wisdom can only reach a certain level. And then you kind of topped out unless you're willing to acknowledge, you know, God is sovereign and you submit your life to him and, and all of that. All right. Now I've heard you talk in the past about the role that gender plays in understanding the Proverbs. Uh, so how would like, cause it's kind of geared towards a man. How, how would a woman read the book of Proverbs differently? Maybe. Yeah. Well, I mean, for both men and women, I think it's important to remember who the original audience was and what the purpose of the book was. And so I've already mentioned that a lot of Proverbs, it was written as if it's a father or mother speaking to a son um, and a lot of wisdom dialogue. So when wisdom literature is being written, it's in these contexts where people are, are they're talking about it. 
So it's happening in um, the courts, it's happening at the city gates, it's happening in sometimes these public areas, but it's often, it's very male dominated. And so it's, they'll use gendered language. And I'll, un I'll unpack that a little bit, but think about a father speaking to a son, a king speaking to a prince. Um, and so, you know, I use gendered language when I'm in girls' ministries, because if I'm talking to all girls, the people they're dating are boys, right? Like, I don't have to say, when you find a girlfriend or boyfriend, like I just say, when you find a boyfriend, um, again, I, I like to use this example. My mom has also always been involved in girls' ministries. She was teaching, it was maybe like the first and second grade girls, their friends. And so they asked her, Mrs. Nisi, what is adultery? And so she said, well, when it says like, you, you know, don't commit adultery, it means you can't have both a husband and a boyfriend. And the girls were like, oh, okay. You're like, right, right. You wouldn't do that. <laughs> so I love that she like came up with that explanation and you didn't have to get into details. <laughs> <laughs> but for speaking to a group of girls, right, she just said husband and boyfriend. She used gendered language. But a lot of times, I mean, not everybody, but often when I hear the gendered language in scripture coming out in sermons, I have heard ministers use that to kind of denigrate women or get in jabs at their own wives, which I think is just horrible in general. Um, that says something about their own character. <laughs> but, um, the gendered examples in there are not to denigrate women. That's not the heart of God. Um, and so we have to say, well, why is the gendered language there? Like in Proverbs 21, 7, it says the way of a guilty person is crooked. Um, I'm sorry, that is the wrong verse. It should be, let me look at verse nine. I'm reading the wrong one. It talks about, I'll just, I'll explain it. It talks about, um, it's better to live on the corner of your roof than to share a home with a quarrelsome woman. And I recently came across a blog written by a woman talking about, hey, wives, um, we are called to not be quarrelsome. How can we be better? As, and she found five verses that talk about quarrelsome wives in Proverbs and wrote a blog about how that is a message to wives to not be nagging. And the point of that proverb is not to say, hey, wives, you should do better. It's to say young men, young people, but they were talking to men, so they use gender language. You should be, you should choose a good spouse. Don't get distracted by like their body or your chemistry. Focus on their character because you're not going to want to share your house with some quarrelsome woman later. Um, and so just being careful that when we read it, that we're not thinking it's saying something about like the character of women or the character of men. It's talking to a group of young men and saying like, hey, this is how you should make choices. You have a better life down the road. Um, and like in girls ministries, when we use gendered language, they use gendered language, but make sure that when we preach it or teach it or when we're reading it devotionally to recognize that again, it's not saying certain things about different genders, it's calling us to make good choices. Um, and so the same for like Proverbs 31, that's often read like on Mother's Day as if it only applies to women and all people are called to be wise and take care of their families and earn a good living and care for the community and things like that. So, uh, so making sure we pay attention to the purpose that it was, it was written to give people a guideline for making good choices, 
Um, and it was at the time written to a group of men. So when you're preaching or teaching or you know reading it devotionally at home to a co-ed group, you can use broader language um, to talk about what God is calling us to do and how we should live. Hey. You, you said a, a, earlier on there that uh, you heard some men preaching it to get at their wives from the pulpit. Is that what you said? Yes, I have heard people as they're reading through Proverbs and they'll say like, oh, we know how that is. And, <laughs> that, then they'll chortle. and I'm like, well, then you made bad life choices. And, and also you, you aren't being wise in that moment. That's for sure. <laughs> that is correct. So they need to read the broader context there. Yeah. Uh, I do like that, uh, thinking about the idea of uh, choosing wisely, that there's giving instruction, because that's, I mean, something you would, you know, I have one daughter who's 14, and I would say, okay, you know, uh, well, my wife even took her through a process. Okay, what are you, what are you looking for, you know, and start thinking about that. So that's a, uh, that applies no matter the gender. <laughs> Uh, no, I thought this would be fun uh, since you're the, uh, this is Stump the Expert. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, I take a few, few examples from Proverbs and you can just kind of unpack them for and for the audience. I've given her these ahead of time. So this is fair. <laughs> this is not just pick, pick a random proverb and see what happens. No, uh, the first one was uh, Proverbs chapter 26, 4 and 5. Uh, do not answer a fool according to his folly, or you will yourself will be just like him. Answer a fool according to his folly, or he will be wise in his own eyes. <laughs> Thoughts. Yeah, like, so which one am I supposed to do? Right. I do or I don't? Right. <laughs> What's going on? Um, yes. So, so one of the things is, um, this is a grouping of sayings, and so um, obviously throughout time they've been read together, but they probably originated in different places and then were put together because you're like, why would you put those side by side? But someone did. <laughs> um, and so, and each one, you can kind of think of a scenario where you would or wouldn't want to do that. Um, and Lindsay Wilson, actually in his commentary on Proverbs, he says few Proverbs are designed to cover every situation. And he gives a couple examples. He says too many cooks spoil the broth, and many hands make light work. And both seem to be true, but they can't, they don't both apply at the same time. And so part of being a wise person is having, it's having the wisdom to discern which situation calls for which proverb. And that's part of the difference too between like wisdom literature and Torah and then an instruction on law is it's not just do's and don'ts, like they're not laws, right? Just like they're not promises, there are general guidelines. And so, you know, as we grow in relationship with the Lord and in wisdom and learning and we get wise counsel, we have to be able to determine which situations, like, should you just be quiet and, you know, let the fool <laughs> run their mouth and like, let it pass. <laughs> And then what times are you like, no, that enough is enough. Like I have to speak up here, right? And if we live by either one all the time, we would start to be foolish, right? People would be like, that person is horrible. Um, <laughs> so, so it's learning when to apply those and remembering these aren't laws. Because if they're laws, you're like, is God confused? What is 
over but it's you know again like even the stranger danger like there's times to trust someone you don't know um right and there are times to run from them um but but here there are times to again let the situation blow over like don't answer somebody there's another proverb that talks about um you know, it's better to bite your tongue than to kind of run your mouth and then everyone know you're a fool. Just keep it inside. Um, but there are times when you do have to fight fire with fire that you have to say, okay, wait a minute, this is ridiculous and respond. Um, and so making sure that also slowing down to think through the situation is part of wisdom, right? And so to even know which fool you should answer and discern that, you know, take some wisdom and practice and um, it takes like wise counsel and that's a way to grow in wisdom, right? And so to learn from others and heed their warnings. So when you're in those situations, you can discern what's happening and how to respond. I like that because you're, you're taking uh, the situation and you're actually probably putting putting both of those up and saying, should I answer? Should I not answer? What, what kind of person is it? And how are they, are they gonna bite my head off? You know what I mean? <laughs> Yeah. Well, and they may, and, and that's also, I mean, I suppose as spirit-led people, we're trying to, at that point, part of the discernment process would be leaning into the spirit, I suppose, and saying, is this the moment to speak or not to speak? Right. Because sometimes it's what could the outcome be? Like, you don't want your head to off, right? Sometimes you have to take the risk, but other times, you know, is the person, someone can be foolish, but also be teachable. Um, and so if you're like, this is, I know sometimes, like, if I answer them, they will not hear me. Like, it doesn't matter what I say right now. And so it's better to just let them finish talking and move on. But especially, you know, working with college students, <laughs> a lot of times, you know, you let them talk and then I can respond, right? And as someone that they have some level of respect for, hopefully, right? Sometimes I can speak into their lives or they're teachable. And so you're like, this is very foolish. Let me ask some pointed questions. <laughs> right? And so, so kind of feeling that out where there are situations and it can be sometimes power differentials or just a situation or the person's personality that it would be unwise for you to speak up, right? And so, so yeah, discerning the situation um, and who's involved that can really impact how you should respond. I, I suppose if the fool is your boss versus the fool is your student, this makes a difference. That's correct. Yes. <laughs> All right. So moving along quickly before you say anything on that, uh, Proverbs 4.23 uh, says, above all else, guard your heart for everything flows from it. Uh, I've heard you talk about uh, your heart. So what, what does guarding your heart mean and what does that look like in everyday life? <laughs> Um, yeah, so in our culture, we think of our hearts being like the seat of our emotion and passion, and it's broader than that in the ancient Near Eastern context. So um, for them, their heart is also a place of reason and, and will, um, which we tend to think of our minds. Um, but either way, so if you want to say, you know, guard your heart, guard your mind, but that place within you that does makes decisions, right? And that you live, this is, it's your internal life is what you live by. And so above all else, guard that internal life within you, your heart, your mind, because everything else does flow through that. And a lot of times 
I think especially thinking about, you know, coming out of the pandemic and everything, a lot of people are struggling with anxiety and some emotions they haven't felt before. And um, it's easy to react in a very kind of volatile manner when situations arise and then situations start dictating or emotions start dictating what's happening. But here, it's not just emotions, but it's our intellect, our will, the things that we choose to spend time thinking about. Um, and so when we, we need to guard the things we let into our lives. And, um, and there's other scriptures about this too. So when we think about guarding our heart, it is what do we fill our minds with? Um, you know, in girls' ministries, our code is Philippians 4.8. And it talks about, you know, whatever is true, honest, noble, just, pure. Those are the things we're supposed to think about. Um, and a lot of times Christians think, oh, it's, you know, it's okay. Like I'm mature. I can listen to this. I can read this. I can, but if that's, if those are all the things we're, um, you know, downloading into ourselves, like that's, what's going to come out. And so, you know, even here in Proverbs, we, I think usually when we talk about this, we're looking at New Testament passages, but even here in Proverbs and ancient Israel, they're talking about the things that you spend time thinking about, pondering, um, engaging in like with your mind, with, you know, with your heart, um, those things affect the choices that you make and the life that you're constructing and the way you interact with people. And so if you want those things to be better, then you have to do some work on yourself, you know, as millennials would say, self-care, um, so that you have to do some self-care in terms of, you know, discerning what should what should go in so that you can better control what comes out and what outcomes you have in your life. Love it. Hey, so, so much truth for what we all deal with every day. That is for sure. Right. Now I'll give you a dealer's choice on this one. Do you have a favorite proverb you like to talk about? Yeah. I do. I like talking about, um, well, it's in the book of Proverbs, but it's in the discourse section, but I like talking about Proverbs 3, so a lot of people quote five and six, which is trust in the Lord with all your heart, um, those verses. But right before that, at the beginning of the chapter, it is spoken like from a father to a son. And in verses three to four, it says, do not let kindness or truth leave you. Find them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. So you will find favor and a good reputation in the sight of God and man. And I love those two words that are there. Um, the Hebrew words are hesed and emet. And in this translation, they're translated kindness and truth. But hesed is really this like covenant loyalty, like a fighting love, um, a steadfast love. Kindness is a little of a translation. Um, but, and then the second word emet means like faithfulness or truth. And so that these two qualities are supposed to be so important to us that we wear it like it's our favorite jewelry, that it's, uh, something we're known by like it's just it's just who we are and I actually usually wear two rings with those words on them to remind me especially as a minister and a bible scholar that those two things have to go hand in hand um again especially in the last you know year or so with all of just the political upheaval and hatred um that's even been prevalent in the church and divisions that we're seeing in the church. 
people have forgotten that truth is supposed to be best friends with Hesed, with steadfast love. Um, or sometimes people think Christians are supposed to be so loving that they don't stand up for what's true or right. But those two things are supposed to work in tandem. Um, so I, I love talking about this. I usually bring it up at some point each semester with my students. Um, but also just for my own life, they've been really guiding principles. And again, that's why I wear jewelry with those words. I've taken it kind of literally. I don't, they're not around my neck, they're on my finger. But it's a reminder that whether I'm writing or publishing or presenting or preaching or teaching that those two things have to go hand in hand. It doesn't matter if what I'm writing is true. Um, you know, it should be faithful to God's word, but I need to be doing that from a place of steadfast love towards the Lord and towards others. Um, and sometimes things seem nice, but they're not, um, they're not like kind, like this means it's not, you know, it's a nice CD to maybe say to someone, oh yeah, like that looks good. Or like, oh, okay, like good job. But what's actually, you know, an action of Hesed and Emmett would be to give them some constructive feedback and help them to get better and, but in a kind way, right? And so just making sure that these two things are always going hand in hand, like in my life, whether that's personally or professionally. Um, so anyway, I really love these two verses and I keep coming back to them as kind of a check and balance in my own life. I like that because I'm a good person that I like to have kind of balancing act there. So that, that gives you a mental picture to kind of uh, work from there. Uh, now, any other final guidance for people as they uh, look to the book of Proverbs? I always think it's a good idea to read with um, a commentary or something. And there's a really um, a great selection out there for people to choose from, like um, the NIV application series. Um, it's just a good practice to kind of read alongside and the Holy Spirit's with us as we read scripture, but um, it's helpful to understand original context. And John Walton, he's an Old Testament scholar, he likes to say the Bible is not to us, but it's for us. And sometimes we kind of forget it was written to ancient peoples and ancient contexts that we're not in. And so some of the things that seem a little awkward or weird to us and need unpacking, we tend to skip over or like, oh, that's how it is. Like back in the day, people got swallowed by fish or you propose by laying down at someone's feet on a threshing floor. That's how you got husbands. Um, and those weren't <laughs> normal things. And so, so reading with a commentary or, you know, podcasts like this, like it can be helpful to have someone unpack some of those things that seem strange to us um, so that we better understand God's word and allow the Holy Spirit then to um, apply that, you know, to our lives and our context. I, I like that. I, although I, I don't, don't, if you're a missionettes person, don't study why they, uh, or what happened on the threshing floor. That, that's all I'm going to say. Just uh, save that for your adult conversation. <laughs> all right. Yeah. But, uh, NIV applications, study Bible, or study NIV application commentaries, what you said, correct? Yeah. All right. Well, this has been uh, very helpful. I have Appreciate you taking the time today. So, well, thank you for having me. This has been great. 
Well, there you have it. I hope you enjoyed that conversation as much as I did. And uh, if you're looking for the show notes, you can find them over at ChristConnection.cc slash podcast. Again, that's ChristConnection.cc slash podcast. And while you're there, why don't you check out the other resources we have to help you in your walk with Jesus. You can put in your name and email address, and we'll send you a weekly update on the ministry, but also uh, when the next podcast is and other resources that we have to help you to grow with Jesus, because that's what it's all about. We want to help you to grow in him and go on an adventure with him. So uh, if you're looking for our social media, we are at Enjoying Prayer on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Uh, But otherwise, we look forward to you being with us next week. And until next time, God bless you and keep you. And thanks for listening.